Welcome back, everybody. Uh, you are going to be hearing just me, Billy Rock, today, not even with a guest. Um, Drew is still being a great father and husband, uh, helping out with his new baby girl. Uh, I think he'll be back on with us soon for some top 10 of the year conversation next week. So stay tuned for that. But this week, I wanted to get a little bit more looked at the macro of Hollywood at the moment. Um, we had the writer strike. We had the actor strike. We had hits in the weirdest places, maybe a little bit from the strikes themselves, kind of shifting our perspective a little bit. But I, this, outside of just the movies that get me to think, there's a lot of thoughts I've had about the state of the movie industry, and I'm not going to go into, um, I'm not going to go into too many hot takes for what's going to come in the near future, but more center this conversation around three figures in Hollywood that I think have showed us a lot this year of where we might be going in the next few years. Um, I'll be talking about one actor and two brilliant filmmakers um, from this year. And hopefully I can provide context of what I hope will happen in the future. And also a mix of worries of what might happen in the future. And also some hope ultimately about the state of the movie industry. Um, this has been, yeah, hits out of nowhere. Like I said, uh, original scripts are becoming a little bit more uh, into the fold in a big way. Um, and you just, you, you can see that audiences are changing what they're paying for and they're getting bored by old uh, subjects and genres and transitioning into some new ones. So with all that being said, please bear with me as I try to do a quick 20 to 30 minute solo pod and hopefully take something away from this, have some laughs and, and think a little bit. So again, I'm Billy Rock and welcome to the Do You Like Apples podcast. All right, everybody. First off, I want to kind of get into the actor conversation. Adam Driver is probably our biggest tentpole for what a movie star could potentially be from here on out. Um, he obviously had the Star Wars fran franchise got huge through the movie or through the TV show girls. And now he's an interesting past. He was able to figure out this interesting dichotomy with his career where we felt comfortable with him in the star Wars universe. He was such a unique face and uh, style to the universe that we hadn't really seen before, but he was able to uh, supplement that with really interesting choices in between. And, you could, he was clearly knocking off so many of our most massive directors off the list as he was working more and more uh, early in his career uh, out of the, outside of the girls' fame. He, he finally teamed up with Martin Scorsese, and that came right after The uh, Force Awakens was released. But then he, then he goes into a Noah Baumbach movie, the Meyerowitz stories, a Steven Soderbergh, Soderbergh film, then into The Last Jedi. So you kind of have a good stretch of very different performances. Then it gets into 
Spike Lee's movie, Black Klansman. Got nominated for that role, I believe. Back to a Jim Jarmusch movie, which I didn't miss, mention Patterson before, but um, one of one of the guys he clearly loves working with. And then back to Noah Baumbach, and then back to Star Wars with Rise of Skywalker. And I think the choices in between the Star Wars are very impressive, but when he isn't great in those movies, you know he's either going back to something a little bit more steady with Star Wars or something where you can appreciate the risk more coming off of a Star Wars. And now, now that that part of his career is behind him, he's kind of staying, his his desire to cross off major directors off of his list are kind of his new going back into a Star Wars mode um, where he he's definitely not phoning it in because he's not that type of actor, but you can, his interest of being in that, uh, in, in in that spotlight is so apparent now to me, uh, whereas before it wasn't, it almost was that he was apprehensive to the spotlight, but now he's found an interesting way to uh, make his persona bigger and maintain it. He's, he's making interesting choices, but I'm worried he's kind of going into a Tom Hardy lane where he's, he's teaming up not teaming up with directors. He's disappearing in roles in ways where the most captivating captivating parts of his acting is comes from his own persona, and he's been trying really hard to get rid of that when he's on screen. And I'm not quite sure if that's the best trajectory for his career. Um, he's... He's teamed up with Ridley Scott twice, uh, one of which in The Last Duel was really, really interesting and a, a great performance by him. House of Gucci, it was fun. I had a great time. And then before those two, Annette, which was such a good movie to have off the the back of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, that's not a movie for everybody. Um, I know Drew hated it. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Just the, the things I was trying to say, the weirdness of it all, I, I found really interesting. Then he gets back to Noah Baumbach with White Noise, and I get that's one of his guys. He He's going to work with that guy forever. But White Noise kind of set something off for me that wasn't fully something that I can just blame on Noah Baumbach, who's a director that I like but have complicated feelings about. And yeah, it just opened up something to Adam Driver that I, I wasn't loving, and that was the first time I felt that. And he wrapped up this year, which White Noise was a 2022 release, but he had two movies come out this year, 65 and Ferrari. I have not seen Ferrari. It's with Michael Mann. It's right up the Do You Like Apple Boys Alley. Um, I, I, I know I'm going to like it at the very least, but coming from The Last Duel into House of Gucci, then into White Noise, now into Ferrari. I'm, again, that Tom Hardy wanting to have himself to be disappeared into a role is is creeping into him a little bit too much and, I, and i'm worried about him i'm i'm really interested in what he's going to continue to do but i hope he comes back down to roles like patterson uh, like marriage story and where he you can just see him in his roles and he's he's getting away from that he's he's stretching himself and i and I admire that, but I don't know if he's quite ready or capable to be that type of actor. 
And I, I hope he pivots just a tiny bit. I want him to take risk. I don't want him going back to a Star Wars franchise necessarily, just so I can be fooled into thinking that he's making really interesting choices. But his choices have been off, and I'm not quite sure where that's going to lead him. And if I'm going to be fully on board, he, he's he's still one of my top guys. Him and Glenn Powell are probably my one and two for actors I ride or die with. And I, yeah, I just this is the first year I've had doubts with Adam and I'm interested to see where he goes. So it's funny that I'm, I'm worried about him because the next person that is not a worry. Well, it is a worry a little bit is uh director Greta Gerwig. Um, hey, I love Barbie. It was a, I'm all about directors putting themselves in that type of spotlight and absolutely delivering it. It's meant to be seen on the big screen. It brought so many people together in a moment that we didn't fully expect that for many movies this year. I would say um, the beginning of the year with the comic book movies kind of bombing for what they're expected to do into Barbie more weight slowly was put on this movie one, because it's a huge name Uh and, and there's a lot of pressure that goes into creating a story around a figure like Barbie that's so recognizable. Um, it, it makes you worried because you aren't you're, you don't expect Greta Gerwig to jump into movies like this. And now that she's gained the confidence in herself, hopefully, and all the studios looking at her to create these big, huge, influential and movies you gather around type of events. Before we even knew about that huge success, I think reports came out before Barbie that she jumped onto a two-movie contract with Netflix for the Chronicles of Narnia books. Um, I forget what years that that initial run of those books being adapted came out in the 2000s. I, I remember some of those parts of those movies being really successful, and I'm not... I grew up on those books, uh, grew up in a very church environment. Those books were encouraged and were very entertaining. So I'm, I'm, I think Greta Gerwig can handle it. She definitely can handle the scale. Barbie proved that. But when a director moves this big, this fast, that's when you see Lady Bird, that's just, it's not the trajectory you almost want to see. I love Greta Gerwig so much, so I'm gonna. I want to see anything she makes, but this could either be maybe the next Lord of the Rings, or it could just fall completely flat because it's on a streamer. If it's not getting, if it is successful, it's not given the proper theatrical release that is needed for a movie as big as this, and because it's attached to Netflix, it's, it inherently feels smaller. So maybe if she was doing this purely as a theatrical and somebody like Warner Brothers is putting this out, then I would feel a little bit more confident. But I'm just not sure where she's going. And while Barbie was a huge success and I loved it, I get scared when a director decides to go this route. And I know she's going to put herself around or put people around her that are amazing talents, whether it's actors, writers, producers, and all of the above. She's going to be protected and knows how to manage that scale of a crew. Um, but Chronicles of Narnia, just, it feels, yeah, I'm interested to see what theme she pulls out that makes those stories emotionally 
relevant. And there's a lot in there that is a kind of a typical story structure that we see in a lot of these big budget movies. The um, C.S. Lewis, obviously a, a very famous author and uh, so many of our major stories from that era, like the Tolkien Lord of the Rings books and movies, they grew up at the same time. They pull from the same themes. They're, the themes create epic conversations and epic stories, but I, Greta Gerwig is able to do so well at making movies that feel so resident to today. And looking back through that story structure, I'm, I'm interested to see how she's going to update that into a more modern story. So yeah, it, Adam and Greta are, are going on a similar trajectory. Uh, Adam's kind of more reverting back a little bit while still trying to maintain that huge stardom. And Greta is running with that stardom that she's created for herself. Um, and it's truly one of our celebrity directors. Um, but that transitions into our my, my, my last lesson from this year is that Christopher Nolan will continue to save us. Um, I am not a Nolan fanboy. I, I find a lot of his movies uh, confusingly relevant in the culture. And that doesn't deter me still from being so excited for what he's able to do to strike the entrance, the in interest into mainstream movie culture. Um, Oppenheimer, I'm, I'm pretty middling on it. Uh, it's, it's right on the edge of my top 10 of, of the year. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It, it. it brought all of the Christopher Nolan elements that I like, but continued the trajectory of a lot of the aspects of his movies that I don't like. And he is going to continue to create these original stories and continue to attract an audience and a, a really interesting audience that um, it's, it's polarizing as, as much polarizing as it is uh, creating interesting conversation around his type of movies. Uh, the film bros are, are kind of taking, taking the, the lead in this kind of marketing campaign that Nolan has been able to create for himself. And I'd rather have that components of fandom than whatever, what, whatever fandom is in the Marvel universe, the star Wars universe and anything of the like, uh, if people are going to be hyped specifically about a director, it needs to be someone like, like Christopher Nolan, who's able to create those big 10 poles are going to able to satisfy any type of palette that comes into the theater. Um, again, like me, you might have a varying degree of how much you like the guy and what you want to see from him in the future. But I think we can all agree that we want him to continue to work and continue to wow us with the spectacle that he's able to put on screen. Um, there's no con confirmation of what he's working on next, which good, take your time, man. Uh, if you're going to be this good, you have to take your time. You have to create the right story. You have to find the right material, attach the right actors to it, all of the above. Um, take your time, Nolan. We'll be here for you always, and, and don't rush into anything. But the fans online and the few articles that I could find, and again, nothing confirmed, a lot of call for him uh, making his own James Bond movie. And I think that would have been more likely around the Batman days where he, he just did a, such a masterful job of those movies or most of those movies. 
And he could have used James Bond as that Dark Knight type of vice to create uh, a, a more legitimate critical hit for that type of genre. But he, he's, he's past that. He, he made Tenet. That's his James Bond movie. Don't need him going back into that well. If he wants to make a movie like that again, that's great. But, but make your original stories like he like he always has. Don't go to James Bond, Chris. Listen to the Do You Like Apple Boys. We know what you need for your career. Stay original. Find good source material like Oppenheimer, the uh, the book, and, and, and figure out how to adapt such a, a massive story. I'm so impressed by that. And again, he's here to stay. Greta Gerwig here is here to stay, who, again, with the Chronicles of Narnia aspect, I'm a little bit more skeptical on how she's going to be able to project that into the future. But again, this might have Lord of the Rings type of potential. It, it's all jumbled together because C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were, were buddies. And uh, you, you, you see how they were interested in similar things. But I just, I don't know if that's a story for Greta, but I, I hope I'm wrong. And then Adam Driver, you're, you're on a Tom Hardy-like trajectory. An actor, both our actors I really enjoy. Um, but even with 2024, uh, Tom Hardy's in a movie like The Bike Riders. I'm fully expecting him to have a weird accent, uh, even though it seems to be his more normal face for the first time in a while. Um, you, you know he's going to take a swing, and I, I don't quite want that for Adam Driver. Patterson... Uh, Logan Lucky even are, are are swings in and of themselves, but you you see the humanity in Adam Driver and the characters he brings on screen, and he's able to do that in pretty much any role, always. Even though his last five efforts, well, I haven't seen Ferrari yet, but his last four efforts that I've seen, just he's he's hiding too much, and I'm not quite understanding why he wants to do that, and. Uh, Maybe he'll regress back into something that's a little bit more quiet and manageable. Uh, uh, kind of just going back to Jim Jarmusch would be really, really interesting. And that type of director to latch on to and, and, and quiet down a, a portion of his career. Um, so guys, thank you so much for listening in on this quick little, my lessons of 2023 in the years, uh, uh, in the movie year. And I just wanted to get all that off my chest of things I'm looking forward to. I really am so encouraged by what's going to happen with the next few years of movies. And we have really good young talent coming up. Uh, we have kind of uh, new mainstays in the culture, like Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, uh, Greta Gerwig, Jordan Poole. Um, so you feel it's safe with those. And you have these older auteur directors uh, kind of transitioning from Christopher Nolan onwards. Uh, being able to usher in a new mainstay of safe, brilliant directors that if they all come in together in the same year, like what has happened in 2023, they can carry this through. So hopefully Hollywood will learn something of funding the right talent rather than the right marketing campaign outside of it, like Barbie, which again, I enjoyed. It just, it, it, I, again, audiences are, becoming a little bit smarter on what they're going to spend their money on. Not smarter. Uh, maybe mindful is a better word. Maybe uh, their their interests are changing because we went from my age being a millennial 
we're, we're making money now. And uh, hopefully that means we're able to then decide more of how we're going to show monetarily what art is going to be deserving to be in the world. Again, I kind of put that deserving in quotes because good art is not just of what people pay for, but I think we're beginning to be able to change some trends in ways that I haven't fully noticed before. So uh, I, I wonder if you agree. Um, again, this is the Do you Like Apples podcast. I'm Billy Rock. My co-host Drew Went. We'll be back in uh, hopefully next week when we're talking about top 10 movies. Uh, thank you to Ryan Jenkins for our wonderful intro music. And if you want to look back a little bit, I was just on here with Kenny Ashton talking about Godzilla minus one. I almost could have put that and kind of in the Christopher Nolan conversation uh, talking about just encouraging blockbuster filmmaking that um, has uh, re-energized that particular market in really interesting ways. Uh, but yeah, look back on that um, and listen to that episode where Kenny and I really go in deep on why we, we really enjoyed that movie and how we want blockbusters to look that way. So um, yeah, thank you for joining. This is the Do, uh, Do You Like Apples podcast. Do you like apples? Do you like apples? Do you like apples?